0: Hello, my name is Philippe Hurin from the History Department at MacNeese State University.
1: I'm Samantha Neubauer.
2: And I'm Gavin Miller from the History Department at MacNeese. Welcome to Your Grammar Walks, where we explore the lives of famous women in history. Welcome and bienvenue à nos amis francophones. Vous écoutez la radio de l'Université
0: MacNeese.
1: On the program today, music and history as we retrace the life of a remarkable woman.
0: She was a Hungarian noblewoman. She's also known as the Blood Countess or Lady Dracula.
1: She made Jack the Ripper's crimes look like child's play.
0: Oh, and fair
2: warning, this is not something you want your kids to be listening to?
0: No. Typically on this show, we like to feature inspiring women who are role models for us all. But Halloween is just around the corner as we're taping this. So think of this as a scary story around the campfire kind of show.
1: Now that warnings are out of the way, let's start things off with a song.
2: Since this is going to be a morbid gothic tale, why don't we start off by listening to a morbid gothic folk song written and composed by Peter Gundry in 2015 called... Go
0: Welcome back to Eurogrammar Rocks on KBYS. I am Philippe Girard.
1: I'm Samantha Neubauer.
2: And I'm Gavin Miller. I'm a program today, we're studying the life of Elizabeth Bathory, Hungarian noblewoman nicknamed Lady Dracula.
1: So this Bathory sounds like a real killer. What time period are we talking about?
2: Uh, she was born in the mid-16th century and died in the early 17th century. She presided over the Kingdom of Hungary, which included Hungary, Slovakia, and Romania. Hmm...
1: Romania, isn't that where Vlad the Impaler resided?
2: The one that Dracula is based on? Yes, it would be interesting to speculate how a pair would have gotten along, but Vlad the lad died around 80 years before she was born. So did they have any similarities? Yes, they both practiced cruel and unusual forms of punishment, had a fascination with blood, and had territorial disputes with the Ottoman Empire. And A bit of
0: background here, the Ottoman Empire was that vast Muslim empire that dominated the Middle East and West Africa from the 1200s all the way to the early 1900s. At its in the late 1500s, which is right around the time of Our Lady, Elizabeth Bathory, the Ottoman territories would have gone all the way into southeastern Europe, next to Hungary, pushing into the lands held by Vlad the Impaler and the family of Elizabeth Bathory. So they were the scary neighbor, and they're quite important to our story.
1: So, how did Vlad and Elizabeth differ?
2: Vlad was renowned for impaling Ottoman Turks, cutting off their hands in some instances, drinking their blood, baffering on their hand, torturing her own people, primarily servants and other women looking for court etiquette at her house.
0: Wow, definitely not a kid's show today. I'm pretty scared myself and we're just getting started.
1: So what exactly were the crimes that made her so famous or infamous?
2: She is believed to have both drunk and bathed in the blood of virgins in order to maintain our beauties. He was accused of practicing blood sacrifices, witchcraft, black magic, and other forms of satanic worship.
0: During that period in Europe, a lot of women were accused of witchcraft and burnt at the stake.
1: Or even in America. That's not long before the Salem Witch Trials.
0: Right, and typically historians look at these trials as politically motivated, that women were targeted because they were too powerful or too independent, and people made up accusations of witchcraft to put them down a peg. But in our case, the funky business was all too real, apparently. She did practice satanic rituals, right?
2: Apparently, though some people say it might have just been a false accusation, so it still has been disputed to this day.
1: But it's one thing to practice spells and such, and another to torture and kill your servant girls. How did Elizabeth Bathory become a serial killer?
0: Just to note in passing, the whole concept of a serial killer is a bit anachronistic. But your comment reminds me of that series on Netflix, Mind Hunter, which is about that very same question you just asked. What is going on inside the mind of a psychopath?
1: Yes, especially a female psychopath. Pretty much all serial killers are men.
0: Well, this show is about gender equality, including for the bad stuff. So what made Elizabeth Bathory snap? We'll get to that in a minute, but first, more spooky music. Here's a piece I love called Mina Burana by Karl Off. Welcome back to Your Grandma Rocks on
2: KBYS. I am Philippe Girard.
1: I'm Samantha Bauer.
2: And I'm Gavin Miller. On program today, we're studying the life of Elizabeth Baffery, Hungarian noblewoman from the 1500s and the world's most prolific serial killer in history.
1: Before our break, we were trying to figure out what made her do such horrible things. Was she a poor woman with a destitute childhood and a grudge against society?
2: No, not exactly. She was actually came from a very well-off and extremely respected house. She was married to Frederick uh, Nasada, who would go on to lead Hungarian troops against the Ottoman, leaving his wife in charge of his estates.
0: So an independent woman of some means.
2: Yes, one interesting thing to note is she actually came from a family of higher social standing than her husband, and he actually ended up adopting her family name instead of his.
1: That's rather strange. Most women to this day normally adopt the name of their husbands, not the other way around.
2: Yes, that's true, in fact. Her status is what allowed her to get away for her crimes for so long. Her public life is relatively uninteresting for the most part. It's her private life that she's the most in- infamous for.
1: So again, what caused her to become this crazed killer?
2: There have been numerous attempts to try to explain why she did this, from mental illness to being a product of inbreeding to vanity, simple abuse of power, or even sadism.
0: Again, sadism would be an anachronistic term. The Marquis de Sand, who gave his name to s and did not live until the 18th century. But the term fits because he was also a perverted noble who mistreated servant girls.
1: How horrible. I think those servant girls are really the unsung heroes of today's tale. Though, of course, history has largely forgotten their lives.
2: You mentioned inbreeding? Well, parents of Elizabeth were close relatives, more like cousins of sorts.
0: Well, that was pretty common among nobility at the time. Inbreeding is not something I would recommend, obviously, but it's not enough to turn you into a mass murderer. Typically, it only leads to genetic defects and infertility, not murderous tendencies.
2: Well, she suffered from epilepsy, so inbreeding could have caused that.
1: Still, a pretty sheltered childhood.
2: Was she educated? Oh, yes, yeah. she spoke Latin, German, Greek, and of course, Hungarian.
0: What about the other kind of education, the kind of moral values imparted
2: by your parents?
1: What was her religion? She
2: was a Calvinist, so a Protestant. Rumors that some family members practiced Satanism and witchcraft around her, so that may have been an influence. And also see witness brutal punishments as a child. though the evidence is not 100% conclusive on that.
0: Even if it's true, that's not enough. Horrible punishments were pretty common at the time. You're talking breaking on the rack, burning alive, impalement, all of that would be done in executions in public, in front of kids. So whatever she saw the child would not excuse her actions
2: as an adult.
1: It's easy to dismiss her as crazy, but it's almost too easy. Was there any rhyme or reason to her actions? Was she otherwise rational?
2: As mentioned earlier, Elizabeth Báthory was a highly educated woman, fluent in four languages. While her husband was at war, she managed the estate and successfully negotiated for the release of Hungarian hostages held by the Ottoman Empire. So we
0: are at a loss then—no good explanation for her motives.
2: There are rumors saying that she bathed in virgin's blood and belief that it would give her eternal youth. So that part almost made sense in a way. Marta was a way to keep her beauty, but though these may be nothing more than rumors created by Gothic pulp culture.
1: So when exactly did these accusations surface?
2: It started off as rumors a couple of years before a husband's death after he retired from the battlefield. It wasn't until around 1604 a former complaint was marched by a Lutheran minister named Istam Magigari. One key thing to note is that he was a Lutheran, whilst he was born and raised Calvinist.
0: Back in those days, religious rivalries between different Protestant sects and Catholicism were pretty intense. The Protestant Reformation had begun in 1517 with Martin Luther, so Europe was still smack in the midst of the wars of religion. We had another show about Catherine de Medici, a queen of France who lived around the same time, and she was accused of starting the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre in 1572 as a way to kill dozens of thousands of Protestants. So people back then could definitely do terrible things for religion, like killing people, or in our case, maybe accusing others of killing
2: people.
1: So what exactly are you saying? Could the charges against her have been falsified due to religious differences?
2: That is a distinct possibility. Also, Matthias II, who was the king of the Holy Roman Empire at that time, had borrowed lots of money from Elizabeth Bathory's family and never bothered to repay the debts.
0: So possibly the king of the Holy Roman Empire collaborated with that Lutheran minister to bring up false charges against Elizabeth Bathory and wipe away the debt
2: that the king owed to her family, right? Right. In addition to the her cousin was a Prince of Transylvania. He was highly respected. In fact, his dream was to unite both Hungary and Romania, making him a rival to the Holy Roman Empire. So Mafias had reasons to discredit a whole family. They were big rivals.
0: So we are back to square one then. We're not sure why she would have done such horrible things, or even if she did them in the first place.
1: We'll have to examine the evidence ourselves then. So who were her accusers? How did the trial go?
2: We'll get to that right after our next song. Now let's hear a popular Hungarian folk music from a time called Akar Zep Ozarty. To Eurogram Rocks on KBYS, I am
1: I'm Samantha Neubauer.
2: And I'm Gavin Miller. On a program today, we're studying the life of Elizabeth Baffrey, a Hungarian noblewoman from the late 1500s, who may have been one of the most prolific serial killers of all time and went on a horrible campaign of slander.
1: Before our break, we had gotten to the point where she was accused of evil doings by a Lutheran minister. Take it from there.
2: Following the initial reports made by the minister, as well as the disappearances of multiple servant girls, abductions, and young girls of a gentry, who had been sent to learn courtly manners, The court of Vienna ordered an investigation into the matter in 1610.
0: So there was a proper investigation then. We're not just dealing with rumors.
2: Right. Testimonies were gathered from servant girls, priests, officials, and even her own servants. And what did they have to say? All of them said a multitude of things, from using witchcraft, bathing in blood, drinking in blood, cutting off people's limbs with scissors, engaging in cannibalism, burning your servants with tongs, locking young women inside an Iron Maiden, having people's limbs torn off with stretching racks... Okay, you gotta stop. And finally, to having sex with Satan. Having sex with Satan? That seems almost tame, by comparison.
1: That's pretty horrible. The victims were young women, you said?
2: Right, young servant girls ages 10 to 14, women of higher rank who were sent to her court to learn good manners and such.
0: Initially, I thought the whole thing was just some empty accusation by a rival, but that seems like a whole lot of evidence by a lot of witnesses.
1: How many witnesses are we talking about?
2: Three hundred and all. The accusations range from all sorts of people, servants, nobles, priests, even commoners. Some had witnessed for tortures in person.
1: Where was Elizabeth all
2: that time? The trial lasted for over a week. She was confined to her castle during the entire time, as I'm sure you can't imagine. The trial was a talk of a town when it happened. The most prominent testimony came from the lead investigator himself, as well as the notaries. What
1: about the earlier claim you mentioned, about bathing in blood?
2: This came from the lead investigator who reported to have found Elizabeth bathing in the blood of a young servant girl she had just slain. This is what actually led to her nickname, the Blood Countess, or Blood Baver.
1: So, not just a rumor, then? <sighs>
2: However, it seems as though the claim was over-dramatized of what actually took place during the time of the arrest. Gothic horror writers may have added their own twist to the story as time went by. So, how many victims are we talking about? The number ranges from around 80 to over 650. The latter is taken from a diary she wrote according to the name of her victims.
1: Was this diary used as evidence during her trial?
2: Strangely enough, no. Several of hers testified to have seen it, but it was never released publicly. So the actual number is probably closer, to around 80 to 100 or so. Still more than any other well-known serial killer to this day.
0: And her punishment was?
2: Matthias II, ruler over the Holy Roman Empire, wanted to have her publicly executed, but he was warned against this due to the influence that her family had in the region. And the connections they had established with other noble families during the War of the Turks.
1: So maybe instead of being targeted because of her family connections, she was protected because of those.
2: Right. After much deliberation, it was settled that she would be in prison and bricked up within her house for half the rest of her life.
1: So, she wasn't let off the hook either. Being walled up inside a room for the rest of your life is pretty horrible, like being buried alive. How long did she stay there?
2: Four years. She never got out. She died in prison in 1614.
1: We had a show on Isabella de Mora, who was also locked up inside her room for the rest of her life. Though not because of witchcraft in her case, they just wanted to keep her away from the man she loved.
0: I remember that show, and I hate to be constantly plugging other show that we did, but our listeners should also really listen to the show that we did on Joan of Arc.
1: Wait, are you telling me that Joan of Arc was a serial killer too?
0: No, no, she wasn't. But one of the novels who fought by her side in the 1400s was named Gilles Rais, and he too was accused of abducting hundreds of children and killing them in satanic rituals.
1: What kind of a world was that? Was he punished at least?
0: Yes, he was hanged for his crimes. Great. But he lived on in a way. He's the one who was the inspiration for Bluebeard, the monster ogre in the fairy tale by Charles Perrault. Though Perrault's fairy tale was written in 1697, so I'm starting to think that maybe Elizabeth Bathory was an inspiration for Bluebeard, too.
2: Now, before we go on for a story, let's hear another Hungarian folk song that is as popular among troops fighting Ottoman Turks called uh, Militaris Congratulatio.
3: Szagyova rottökre dél jó úrunk. mint Krisztus megnye ő alásálót jávolunk. Sorairo havantotna formábon, hallgas meg azt, mit írunk. Sorairo havantotna formábon, hallgas meg azt From the very roots, Wir trombitanzen Jézus bin Jesus hier ach Du gefährig hit ist wohl in uns sag es blühen und stehen Saget es
0: Welcome back to Your Grammar Rocks on KBYS. I am Philippe Girard.
1: I'm Samantha Neubauer.
0: And I'm Gavin Miller.
1: On the program today, we're studying the life of Elizabeth Bathory, a Hungarian noblewoman from the late 1500s who was sent to prison for torturing and killing hundreds of young women, maybe.
0: So which is true? Was she a competent ruler who was framed due to religious or financial rivalries? Or was
1: she really a cold-blooded, sadistic psychopath who enjoyed torturing people?
2: Is most likely some a combination of both political and religious rivalries, and uh, a bit of uh, cruel and unusual punishment. As a search was conducted of her estates, they did find maimed and tortured dead bodies and various medieval torture devices. However, there are two interesting details of which to wrap up this story. The first is that she was never allowed to defend herself or even be present at her own trial. Okay. And the second is that some of the testimonies given by her most trusted servants during her trial were obtained under torture. So it is possible some of the things said about her may have been false. Okay. On the other hand, there were also surviving servant girls found during her search for her estates that were either imprisoned or a torture techniques practiced on them. So it is, possible to say, it is impossible to say one way or the other.
1: Overall, I'd say the evidence is damning enough. If I were on that jury, I'd, I'd be convinced beyond a reasonable doubt.
2: I'm not so sure, a whole entry reminds me of the accusations laid against the Knights Templars some several hundred years earlier. I'm sure you've heard of them, Dr. Gerard.
0: Yes, I'm familiar with them. They were an order of warrior monks established after the First Crusade.
2: Yes, they also became very prominent in baking as well. So much so that in 1307, the King French Philip IV had racked up a sizable debt to them. Much like Elizabeth Baffrey, charges of black magic and Satanism were levied against the Templars in order to wipe away his debt. They thought they would be safe under trial by a Pope, but the Pope was French and an ally of Philip IV, so their fate was sealed. I hate to criticize
0: a King of France, especially one named Philippe, just like me, especially when his nickname was Philippe Le Bel, meaning the Fair, the Handsome, but I see your point.
1: Back to Elizabeth. So what influences has she had on Gothic pop culture?
2: A lot of people believe that the tales spread about her were attributed to the creation of vampire folklore and her first for blood. She's even believed to have possibly influenced Bram Stoker's Dracula, at least all parts that dealt with the drinking of blood for immortality. She's appeared in a long list of movies and books, much too long to name here. We believe you. No torture needed. In George R. R. Martin's novel, The Song of Fire and Ice, a character called... Mad Danielle is also modeled after her. Interesting.
1: But not flattering. The women in Game of Thrones are either prostitutes, victims, or blood-crazy.
2: In the Lord of Vampire novels by Jean-Coward Elizabeth is one of Dracula's Bride and is called his cousin, which is ironic because in real life, she was believed to be a distant blood relative of Vlad the Impaler.
0: Well, what a life. Quel incroyable, en effet. Though not exactly inspiring like a lot of women on our show, but definitely fascinating.
2: We're glad we could share it with you. Now let's end with a song about her performed by Caroline in 2018 called Blood Countess.
3: Introduce myself, though I fear you've heard my name and that you've heard the story of Countess Bathory. History is told by the victors, heroic warriors, and mad kings. Will you hear my story? They destroyed me, for my property, they put me up, put me up, shut me up, shut me up, Put me up, put me, me up, shut me up, shut me up, and told a story, of a bitch called Bathory. She